Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the I Refuse Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Uh, rest in peace to all the veterans that have passed during war and even after. And shouts out to the men that still grill. There was this whole discourse over the weekend of how we got to this point where these guys out here just do not grill anymore. Like these younger guys, like the days of the grill master are gone. You know, it's all about hookah and pills and crying a lot, which, you know, get that emotion stuff out your system. But the days of the grill master is gone. You know, it's all about air frying, like not having the house smell like soot, not having the house smell like grill. It's it's just so many different devices. But if you're having a crab feast, a crab boil, you, you have somebody, you know, from the previous generation that's still living, that still grills, drop the location because I miss it. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a good weekend. We are back with another great episode. You know, this weekend for me has been a relaxing one. Didn't do a whole lot. It's two people outside for me. Like, five minutes on the highway with other drivers. I'm like, okay, that's enough outside for my black ass. So, with the exception of, like, a Friday errand run and a Saturday run to Target and lunch at Panera. I've been in the house all day, all weekend. And matter of fact, prior to coming to the mic to talk to y'all, I revisited one of my uh, favorite shows, um, The Louis Show, starring Louis C.K. I have the four or so seasons from the FX show on DVD. Every once in a while, I'll binge watch. I'll start with the first season and work my way through. I've seen Louis C.K. stand up live at the Meyerhoff almost seven or eight years ago, less than five rows from the stage, center stage. He had a New Year's Eve show, and we all went. One of my favorite comedians. Um... Here's another thing about Louis C.K. Like, this is how I know that he's good. He influences me. Like, I get him. Like, I get what he's saying. And it's funny, and I appreciate his style of humor and his delivery and storytelling and everything. But the show is great as well. Um, It got me thinking about this bit that I had where it's like all the stuff that like doctors have been recommending to you for like, you know, for all your life, you know, since you were young, Oh, brush three times a day. Oh, you have to be this height and this weight on this chart to be deemed healthy. Maturing is realizing that a lot of that shit is bullshit. For example, 
I don't brush three times a day. I'm often like, eh, I, I, I brush my teeth first thing in the morning or I'll do it at night. You know, it's so much easier during the pandemic to not feel the pressure of brushing three times a day or even twice because you're not around people. And if you're not around people, it is what it is. But even with that, I'm amazed that I have not ended up on the ends of the receiving end of major oral surgery. Like the most I've had in my entire life, I'm coming up on 41 this August, is that I've only had five cavities ever in my life. Never had a root canal, never had um, implants. I've only had like one partial filling. So when I look at people around me that say that they have to go in for root canal surgery, thinking, what kind of life are you living? When does it get that bad? And the thing about it is like the root canal thing is so common. Like there was a time that it was like elective or, you know, it was on the table. It wasn't that bad. Now it's just as common as white people doing cocaine out in the open. Like, yeah, I'm going in for canal surgery. I'm going to document it for the Facebook page. Like, what is this? The Learning Channel? Is this like MTV's Real World? Do what you do. Then, you know, remember you would go to the doctor's office when you were growing up. And while you're in the room waiting for the doctor, they'd have the chart, the height and weight chart, right? And, of course, during the course of every medical visit, they say, oh, you know, your height and weight is this currently, you know, for your specific height, you want to be this weight. And they would point to the weight on the chart. Maturing is realizing that that's not realistic. You know, there's so much discourse, you know, around fat shaming and... You know, there's people gatekeeping the the healthy lifestyle. And with that, they're measuring other people on that range of, you know, outward appearance. If you look a specific way, you are deemed healthy. And if you otherwise do not, you're automatically deemed unhealthy. Therefore, with this post... We're weaponizing that. But the thing about it is like, you go in, in your adult life, and you're like, okay, I'm 5'10". I'm not 180. You realize, that's not healthy. That's a fucking crackhead. Like, 5'10", 180. Right now, you're looking like that guy from Street Fighter. That's what 5'10", 180 looks like these days. But, you know, we're in this 
we're in these this throw these throws of this is the standard beauty is the standard and we obsess about it and we connect happiness to beauty and happiness to being with somebody that's beautiful and because you're with somebody that's beautiful you are looked at as somebody that's successful and you know Bobby has it all it's like 510 180 I'm a crackhead I'm hungry all the time I can't sleep And I'm a bitch to everybody because I'm hungry all the time. More of the story is this. Eat that bread, sis. Have as much of that uh, chicken salad as you want. Be happy. You're full. You're content. You're happy. Do that. So that's my bit. So... I'm clearly in the minority when it comes to Louis C.K., and that's fine. Um, Still very much a funny person. Still very much a great comedian. Even with this weird, perverted thing that he was doing um, privately or with women comedians and women professionals like podcasters and you know people of in the same industry as he he's in where it was allegedly he he does he was doing this thing i think as far back as like the early 2000s where he was like at a festival at a comedy festival where a female comedy duo was also at the same festival and they the the female duo came out like 15 or so years later stating that you know he saw us at the festival um invited us to i think it's hotel room or something or a a different room and you know we went and we were thinking it was something that was professional or could help us um we get into the room having a conversation he asked us does he will we mind that he takes his dick out and we thought he was joking, but clearly he wasn't. He took his dick out to get. He took his dick out and jerked off to completion. Then there was another story where people said that he was in a green room or something, or at a in a in his room with other people, and. He asked the people in the room, would they mind if he jerked off in front of them before taking out his dick and jerking off in front of everybody? People stayed. 
So there was this, there was this whole thing in 2018, 2019, like right before the pandemic, where he was effectively dropped by his manager. His projects were canceled, movies, uh, FX terminate their relationship with him and his show. And he kind of like disappeared from the public spotlight for a while. Pretty sure he was still doing comedy. Um, But it was interesting, and I was having this conversation with some gentlemen at work. We were at the lunch table, and it it was still fresh. So it was 2018, 2019, we were having this conversation, and that came up. And I was just like, a guy, a younger gay guy... Um, aware of the history, um, kind of got into it with an older gentleman, probably, I want to say mid to late fifties, um, very much gives like Charlton Heston vibes where I was like, I mean, he, the guy was, this other guy at the table was clearly disgusted by it or uncomfortable with it um, to the point that he had an emotional attachment or reaction to it. I was like, he asked him, it was his room, he asked him before he did it. People didn't leave. He did it. When things got hot, when people saw that a similar situation was trending, people came out to add to it. He lost gigs, he lost money, he lost income. Like a whole lot happened because this guy masturbates around people. Maybe my threshold's a little bit higher. Yeah, is it is it indecent? Yes. Is it weird? Yes. Is it a crime? No. Is it rape? No. Did he drug anybody? No. Did he groom anybody? No. Did he assault anybody? No. Man just likes to jerk off. Could have very much did it in a way that is often common where like a guy that's out of his mind just flashes people and stuff like that. Like there are those of us that are of the world and have seen worse. It it doesn't make any of it right. Yet this is what it is. my experiences early on I think the great um, was Eckhart Tolle that said you derive your sense of self from your experiences early on in life something to that effect and 
I get that. I was like, my formative years were marred with instability, things that should not, that are not usual in in other people's childhood that grew up in the same neighborhood. Um... That you think things are going well, and then bam, something major happens that redirects your life. And you grow up with around negativity, um, real life stuff. And then you go out into the world, 17 years of age, and you're like, and you see other worlds and you see other environments and you see other realities which in turn makes you more appreciative of what you have and what all is possible you can make for others so with that I'm aware that like glory holes exist bookstore bookstores movie theaters jerking off in public Nothing new. As somebody that has participated in those kind of things, and maybe that's probably why I'm not of a lofty position. And it could be very well a generational thing. Like, people, also people that were raised in a bubble or raised in a very much a um, a sphere you know growing up all they had to do was wake up get themselves together they had breakfast with their family their mother or father took them to the bus stop they get on the bus they go to school they do extracurricular activities with other white kids finish school go home you know their parents have money set aside for them to go to college they do really well they're not at no point in their life going into their career are they on are they ever in an environment that is different from what they what they've known Once in a while, you get that person that's curious, and they experience other things, and it blows their mind. But I think people that these kind of situations are what shows us people that grew up in silos and people that just grew up in the real world. Didn't really blow my mind that he was doing that and he didn't didn't think the reaction was reasonable um very weird so i was watching that still love it it still hits it's still very much funny and louis ck is still one of my favorite comedians favorite artists and i say this in the theme of separating the artist from their their controversy um 
it's not that hard to do. Um, very much can look at the art and the performance critically and be like, this is still very much good. The genius is still there. And quiet as is kept, we've been educated up until this point about how the geniuses are often the most tortured and tainted and um, most flawed. But yet somehow in society we get off on exposing that or putting a spotlight on it. Which is why I often say cancel culture, cancer culture is nothing more than an exercise of proving to people that one set of people over there is better than the set of people over here. But yeah, we want people to, we want society to be convinced that we're a community, that we're human. Oh, you know, we, we've evolved and we progress. No. Reverting back to comfort and security and feeling better. Regressive. America, America has a problem. So, I was minding my business, my African-American business, when I was, I was talking to the abstract Sagittarius about it, uh, either yesterday or the day before. Did y'all see that... DoorDash is being sued. So, the Daily Mail, which is out of the UK. Now, I don't really pay pay too much mind to a lot of what the UK does because I feel like everything that I've ever seen come out of UK looks like a cutscene from a Jason Statham movie. Um, but anyway, DoorDash is being sued for $1 billion over accusations. It charges iPhone users more than Android customers. So, what precipitated this was there was a single father who brought the class action suit in Maryland. The suit gives several examples in which iPhone users are charged more for delivery versus Android users, despite the orders and the addresses being identical. Democrats have called for more transparency from food delivery services. So, shout out to Helena Kelly from Consumer Reporter for this story. So, it goes that the delivery app sued over accusations and charges more, right? The screenshots that are part of the lawsuit documentation shows that iPhone users were charged a dollar to two dollars more than Android customers for delivery on identical orders. The suit further speculates that the reason for the discrepancy is because studies have shown that iPhone users tend to earn more money than those who use different devices 
Interesting. 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 So DoorDash, that app that has an estimated 32 million users, also is facing accusations it slaps extra fees on customers who pay for its $10 a month discount service Dash Pass. I always reject that offer every time I go into that fucking app. So Ross Hecox, a single father, claims the firm deploys deceptive, misleading, and fraudulent practices. DoorDash responds furiously that the allegation which it says are baseless and simply without merit. At the core of the accusation facing the company is that it expanded range fee, which appears to be calculated at random. On the DoorDash website, it says that the fee, usually a dollar or two, is to preserve your access to the available merchants furthest from you. They're just making up shit as they go along. So... The single father applied a series of tests to the app after suspecting it was fairly unfairly calculating delivery fees depending on the device of which you know the order was originated. In example A, he placed orders from different physical locations around 15 miles apart. The orders were exactly the same, an avocado, an egg white, spinach and cheese on sprouted grain bagel and a chocolate chip bagel from chain uh, from the Panera from Panera place at the same time with the same tip both had a subtotal of $7.98 however in this particular test the iPhone user incurred a 99 cents expanded fee range I'm putting that in air quotes while the Android user did not single father Hecox then performed a second test with Chick-fil-A, though they were placed at slightly different times, found the iPhone user was charged an extra dollar for delivery. In example C, he placed the same orders to the same addresses, but this time they were both filed from the same physical location. On that particular occasion, the iPhone user was inexplicably charged an extra dollar for the delivery and handed a 99 cent expanded range fee, while the Android received neither. It meant that the iPhone user was charged roughly $28 while the Android user was billed a little over $25 despite the Chipotle orders being identical. In all seven tests that he did all appeared to show an iPhone user being overcharged for the purchases. So the test accounted for device types, including operating system products like iPhones, iPads, and MacBooks, and different Android systems. The complaint further reads, as the above tests demonstrate, and upon information and belief and subject to further investigation and discovery, DoorDash routinely charges iPhone users more than Android users for reasons wholly unrelated to delivery and service costs. DoorDash likely charges iPhone users more because studies suggest that iPhone users make more money than Android users. It adds that these tactics are simply money grabs. Separately, the lawsuit also raises concerns over the app's discount service Dash Pass. $99 a month service, which entitles users to free delivery on all orders over $12. 
He claims his test proves that DashPass customers are more likely to be hit with the expanded range fee than those who do not pay for the services. Ooh, these, we love a story with the receipts. In a test on the DoorDash platform, however, DoorDash applied the expanded range fee to the DashPass account, but not to a standard account when each account placed the same order at the same time to the same restraint for delivery to the same home. The complaint read. Hecox is asking for $1 billion in damages for all the customers who fell prey to DoorDash's illegal pricing scheme over the past four years. It is not the first time delivery firms have come under scrutiny for their delivery fees. In February, a group of Democratic senators called on Uber, Grubhub, and DoorDash to provide more transparency on their use of so-called junk fees. The president is pushing back on junk fees implemented by a range of companies, including internet services, airlines, and concert ticket providers. They need to go after Ticketmaster. And in 2021, DoorDash was slapped with a Chicago lawsuit which accused it of using bait-and-switch tactics, whereby they displayed smaller delivery fees up front before adding extra costs right before checkout. The firm also paid $2.5 million in 2020 to settle a lawsuit in D.C., which accused it of misleading customers over where their tips went. Of the latest claims, a DoorDash spokesman told Business Insider the claims put forward in the amended complaint are baseless and simply without merit. Standard statement. When short fees are disclosed throughout the customer experience, including on each restaurant store page and before checkout. Building this trust is essential, and it's why the majority of delivery orders on our platform are placed by return customers. We will continue to strive to make our platform work even better for customers, and will vigorously fight these allegations. Dailymail.com also reached out to DoorDash for comment. So, this has always been my, my experience with DoorDash. Although, and I am an iPhone user, although DoorDash in some ways is a little bit less expensive than Uber Eats, I per the flat rate, like DoorDash has more fees. And I, I was noted I was noticing that more in the pandemic because, you know, we weren't out in these streets during the first season of the pandemic. And I was just like, why are there three rows of fees? You know, tax is one thing, and I know they still managed to squeeze in um, that that Maryland tax. Y'all know which one I'm talking about. So that there's no way around that, but it was just like, it's like $8 for this and $5 for that or, you know, $6 for that. And that's before you even add the tip, which, by the way, I feel like we as a community should tip a person who's door dashing, Uber eating or even ride sharing 
at least a third or what I do is like half of the total bill. Like you should. I mean, if it's just you and another person who are eating, I would definitely tip the driver, the ride share, half of the total bill. And I think a lot of people should do that. Um, And if you watch uh, Obama's documentary on Netflix called Working What We Do, You'll 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 see where I'm coming from. But I was noticing that DoorDash has like three or four rows of additional fees after the subtotal. I was just like, really? Is this what we're doing? You're talking at least ten or fifteen dollars after the subtitle, but before the tip. For what a couple of entrees maybe a side dish and the thing about it is like if it's not the three or four rows of fees it's definitely the food prices are definitely greater so DoorDash is definitely doing something a little hinky because I guarantee you if you physically go over to that restaurant like get in your car and drive over to the restaurant and look at the same dishes on their menu. It's probably two or three dollars cheaper. So I can definitely say there's some truth to this. A billion dollars worth of truth though? I don't know. Because here's the thing. When I read some of these stories of um, people filing lawsuits, and we just we just had this conversation on the podcast not so long ago about my thoughts on like lawsuits that just didn't make sense at first, like the lady that sued Starbucks for putting too much ice in their coffee drinks, and I'm like, you could just ask for light ice. Why involve us in this in this madness? Um. The lady that sued McDonald's for making their coffee too hot, she got third-degree burns. That's reasonable. Um, But we just had a conversation on the podcast about the the mother in Texas sued McDonald's over a hot chicken nugget that she claimed gave her daughter third-degree burns. And how convenient during the course of that trial she either she rejected the idea of her daughter taking the stand and telling the story or the defense which she's they're representing her so she probably put the bug in the air for her daughter not to testify because claiming her daughter's autistic had a whole conversation about how In the millions of times that I've been to McDonald's, and I'm sure you've been to McDonald's, the hottest thing coming out of McDonald's, the moment you pull up to that window, if you're lucky, unless you outrightly specify it, are the fries. And the coffee, maybe. Um, But I think when it comes to the coffee... 
that's more that that comes down more to securing the lid because I'll admit this is just a common oversight whether it's hot coffee iced coffee or milkshake the person handing it to you doesn't always secure the lid to the cup and shit may go left honest mistake but y'all when you get to like trying to convince the rest of us that McDonald's really served you a chicken a thing of chicken nuggets so hot that they gave your daughter second and third degree burns when we all know that even during lunchtime that food's been under the lamp for a little bit and even if it's fresh out of the grease just the draft from them throwing the basket literally at the french fry bin cools the food down significantly. Have you ever been at the counter at McDonald's? They throw the food from the basket like they're shot putters. I was like, how? There's no possible way. That a person will get second or third degree burns after that. Because the the throwing and the shuffling with the little hand shovel thing, it cools the food down. So, please. But he he's... He's definitely not going to get a billion dollars, and I'm. I know, you know, there are lawsuits that that get damages and stuff, and you know, the courts are going to be like, you're not going to get all that. But I know that a lot of people file these suits on principle. Like, even if he doesn't get a billion dollars, it definitely shakes the table. But it was interesting. When I was just reading the article, huh? There, there is, there could be some truth to. We're being charged more because y'all actually believe that we make more money. That's looking at that from a politically st- correct standpoint, because I'm thinking of like. That concept of redlining, right? And, you know, the variables within the confines of that, where people are specifically being targeted because they are deemed more desirable based off of their finances. So I believe with this, there should definitely be more of a conversation around how it's actually bad. Like, I think this kind of thing, you know, it'll it'll open white people's eyes that, oh, you know, it's not, Because once upon a time, redlining 
nobody, nobody except the marginalized saw that it was an issue. And history often repeats because a lot of the, the greater the masses just elect to ignore it or don't see it. Well, of course, you're not going to see something you benefit from. Um, but given that DoorDash is an app that everybody uses, and we have this financial component where they outrightly said, we charge iPhone users more on this app because... We feel that they make more money. Jeepers. Like, that don't make y'all cringe. Like, they're specifically targeting you because they feel you make more money. Do you realize that, like, there are people living on their parents' couch or living in their parents' basements working a shit job or maybe their parents gave them an iPhone for Christmas or they saved up money from their retail job to afford an iPhone because they want to feel good about themselves. They put DoorDash on their on their phone and DoorDash has the data or anything from the IP address that says, oh, this user is an iPhone user. So we're going to specifically charge them more to order through our app because they're an iPhone user. Y'all don't find that weird? I find it weird. And I'm an iPhone user. But... I've been an iPhone user longer than I've made good money. Like, longer than I've been financially comfortable. So that's not true. I don't, that doesn't make, that doesn't, that's not good. Like, I've been an iPhone user since, pretty much since the moment probably like four years into being a federal government employee. Like I was still, I think I was still using the bus here and there. Um, and it was just a natural progression from an iPod, which I still have all of my iPods in my one iPad. But when the reality is different than what they're implying or assuming. That's where the conversation needs to be had, where it's like, you do realize that like, once upon a time, iPhones, like before, I have Sprint. So before like, Sprint got greedy and was like, oh, you know, if you want the larger iPhone with more gigabytes, because I would, use that shit for photos you you gotta you gotta put down a deposit that's when i knew 
this was some bullshit. Even if your current contract, your contract on your current iPhone expired, they still wanted that deposit. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Not even a trade and then lower the deposit? No, they were like $150 outright. And then it got to a point to where they were moving the the line for that, for the lower the lower uh, storage iPhones. Like, everything out here is a money grab, but that's kind of besides what I'm saying. Like, when you actually think about that, this, like, I think it's going to start hitting people a lot more that just because you make good money and you can afford probably more than one iPhone at one time, you two are also targeted. And because of that, you're, you know, you're being gouged more. Oh, and you know, it could, it's not going to hit everybody the same. Some people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I can swing it. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is shit can change for you too. And it's not even about so much the income. It's the fact that you have this type of phone. And while, you know, when this iPhone first came out, this 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 iPhone was represented Oh, well, you're, you know, you're more of the wave of the future. You're more connected to the future. You're a free thinker. You're, you're smarter. You're better. You're greater than the Android users. Um, and from that, this whole divide and this whole click where there's iPhone users over there, and the Android users over here, you know, iPhone users are like, Oh, well, you know, Android, like, it, and it still is like that to this day, down to the group chat. (laughs) Uh, Who let this green, who let this green bubble in here, in this group chat? Uh, Smells like poverty. Get away from me. But when you find out that DoorDash is specifically charging you more, Strictly because, strictly off of the fact that you have this particular phone. Whether or not you can afford it, the phone or the meal, it doesn't matter. It's just the way that it is. Now you see how we feel. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. The I Refuse podcast. We're on Twitter at I Refuse podcast. Be sure to continue to support and follow the usual suspects and the I Refuse podcast after dark. Supposed to have a new episode on each this weekend 
but abstract Sagittarius is kind of going through something. Send well wishes and positive light. You know, it's not easy being the glue and the emotional supportive type. Um, for, you know, a kid going through a for- his formative years, trying to make sense of the real world and then, you know, your mom that's kind of that's navigating life after losing two people close to her. And with that, I'm also doing my best to be supportive of her while she's going through this. Matter of fact, after I post this or finish recording this, I'm going to check on her this morning. This is what we do. We support each other over here. I support everybody without the expectation that it's reciprocated. So continue to support and follow uh, the podcast, the I Refuse podcast, the I Refuse podcast after dark and the usual suspects. Follow us on Twitter at I Refuse podcast and on Instagram at I Refuse podcast underscore between the words. That's the IG page. IG page. Also, we're on YouTube. Haven't done anything since the move into the studio. Oh, but trust and believe I will. Keep your eyes peeled for that. I have a great Memorial Day, and we will catch you guys later. Bye.